Hey, Declan, you ready for a show? Yes. Yeah? Oh, good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Who's this guy? Whoa, where'd you come from, Ian? Um, underneath the table, downstairs a little bit. <laughs> little you know, ways. Just, uh, when, when I found out that you were going to be here for this episode, I was actually surprised. I thought you were going to be gone for three weeks, not two and a half. Nope, three weeks. <laughs> yep. Actually, I came from seven hours in the future. This is 8-Bit, episode 65, Raunchy Popstar, on Sunday, February 9th, 2014, and now with Poop in Their Streets. This episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Decker, with guest Declan McCrory. Uh, oh, I get it. Okay. Man, you really had me going there for a moment. <laughs> I was all ready to, for, to hear some grand tale of time travel, but that's not the case. Well, I mean, we're all time travelers. We just always do it in forward motion and at a, and at a steady rate. Yeah, fairly steady. Relativity and such, though. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> though, let me tell you, life does, or time does seem to slow down. They, says, or they say that it's supposed to speed up, but it definitely slows down when you are flying on an airplane and have nothing to do but watch movies. <laughs> How many movies did you watch? Well, let's see, I watched three episodes, uh, okay, on the flight back, I watched three episodes of um, uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Woohoo! I'm so glad that you finally got into that. Yeah, I'm addicted now, thanks a lot. Um, and that's surprising, because like, we all kind of felt like the first few episodes were kind of dull, and then it finally picked up, you know, by like five or six. So, you're in for a real treat. Oh boy, <laughs> it's going to be good. Um, so I watched those. Let's see, I watched Insidious 2. I haven't seen the first one. I watched Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Haven't seen the first one. I watched um, uh, Taken 2. I have seen the first one. <laughs> and, uh, oh, shoot, what was Oh, District 9. Ooh. I always get that one confused with 9 or 7. What's that one? one are, you, are you talking about, like, the one with the, the, the ragdoll thing? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know anything about either of those movies, but I always get them mixed up in my mind, because I don't know anything. District 9 is aliens. Right. South Africa? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Got it. All right. So, yeah, I was I was over in Europe. I was over in the Czech Republic and <laughs> Poland and Slovakia and Hungary and Austria and Austria and Austria <laughs> and um, and Deutschland, Germany. Nice. And so I actually think that I really want to learn the German language now. I think that it, with just everything that was over there, I've kind of fallen in love with everything German and want to learn the German language now. Nice. Nice. Oh, uh, you had you had a pretty good story about um, your name in Hungary. You mean our name? Yeah. Well, yes. And Ian's name. Declan's brother, Ian. Yes. But. All right. So... Uh, when we were in Hungary, we did homestays. So we we had a host family that um, each of us, are, each of the pairs that we had decided to be with for the trip, uh, were assigned to. So my roommate Chris Allen and I were assigned to this this really nice family, and they were um, 
sorry, really nice family, and we were invited over to a neighbor's house one night to go and play some games and talk with all of them um, about what we liked about America, what we didn't like about America, and they did the same thing with Hungary. And so I get there, and I'm introducing myself as Ian, and it usually I usually have to introduce myself once or twice, but for the most part, it's, it's no big deal. Um, but a little bit confusing as to why everyone asks, what? Oh, okay. Um, and I tell them my name. And it's not until a little while in that a woman explains to me that the word Ian in Hungarian means such, like such a good student uh, sort of thing. And so you can say I'm an intensifier, or we can just say such Decker <laughs> or such Buck. Um, Watch, wow. Such tired, such podcast. <laughs> so I, I am now the living, walking, talking Doge meme. Very nice. So that was so that was Hungary, and let's see. So first, let's see. You guys were in Czech Republic first. Yes. Then, okay. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to do a mental map of where you guys you guys kind of did almost a loop, didn't you? A little bit. Yeah. And you guys were mostly going by bus, I believe. Yes. We rented two big buses. Uh, we nicknamed them um, after a couple of the pieces that we were doing. So I was on West uh, West Side. After West Side Story, we did Symphonic Dances from West Side Story, which is a 20-minute piece. So it's it's ridiculously long, but absolutely phenomenal. And then the other one was Apollo for Apollo Unleashed, which was actually, I think, my favorite piece that we did for the concert. Um, but, yeah, so we traveled by, by big coach bus, here, there, and everywhere, and it's... Okay, so European coach buses are a little bit different than American coach buses. The wheels are a little bit closer to each other, okay. and both sets turn, so you can turn, essentially, like you're oh, wow. on a dime. Um, and, actually, we had... Uh, we had two drivers. We were we were able to have one for with us for a little while, and then, by law, he was required to be given some time off, so we had another one. So the first guy that we had by was a guy by the name of Hans Peter. Um, and many, many, many jokes arose um, from Hans Peter because he was the sort of guy that didn't give two poops about anything. He was just like, okay, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one time when I think we were in Prague? And, uh, shoot. No, we were in, we were in Krakow. Um, and there was a car that was a little bit, it wasn't parked well with its parallel parking, and it was actually parked out far enough on the street that we couldn't pass it without getting essentially into um, the tracks for the tram. Hmm. So we sit there, and we honk at it for a while until it, nothing happens. So Hans um, decides, screw it, I'm going to go on the tram track. So he <laughs> drives around and then comes back. And after that night, the mottos of the trip were, I would, I would push a car for Hans Peter. <laughs> and what would Hans Peter do? <laughs> um, and then our other bus driver, uh, oh shoot, what was his name? Reiner, uh, another big guy, gave gave a couple more poops than Hans did, but not many more. <laughs> so all I know is, with the streets that narrow, I am so glad that I left the driving up to other people. I would not want to drive yeah. the way that everybody drives over there. So you took a lot of pictures uh, while you were over there, and I I really enjoyed getting like you know the daily. Oh look, he uploaded like a bajillion ore photos. Um, especially the architecture. Holy crap! Yeah, that architecture. Yeah, flying buttresses. All uh, the flying buttresses. <laughs> butts. Flying butts. Flying butts everywhere. 
So you were, uh, I'm guessing that you were taking those with your, uh, with your phone, right? Because they look pretty grainy. With my iPod. Okay, yeah. I didn't have a good camera because the only thing, only other thing that I had with a good camera was my, my, my HTC Thunderbolt. Yeah. What happened to that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in the lost and found system of uh, Woodbury Ten, most likely. Or in a um, pawn shop somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I I actually haven't read any of your daily journal thing that you <laughs> wrote in yet. Well, I I'm, I'm only up through actually only up through the homestays. I got mm. uh, with the homestay I. They had internet, but it didn't necessarily work very well. Okay. Um, like it to the point where it actually didn't register any American or the and no American machines were actually able to find it and register it. Man, that's obnoxious. So I wasn't. I got a few days behind there, and then had a couple more days where I would have had to pay for internet, or I didn't get back to the hotel until like eleven thirty midnight ish, mm-hmm. and was just exhausted, or was video chatting with Sarah. So I. I... I suppose you didn't even uh, attempt to have phone service while over there. Nope. Because that's that's something that I'm kind of, uh, you know, very invested in figuring out before I go over to Sweden for six months. Yeah. No, I I didn't try, and actually it was, um, I just used my iPod and Wi-Fi everywhere. So when I got back, I found that I had somewhere like 30 text messages. Nice. Well, that's not too bad, I guess. Yeah, but the thing is, I didn't know who most of them were from. (laughs) <laughs> because uh, another Ian, actually, there's three Ians in the band. One of them up on upright bass. I think you've met that Ian. Curly black hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little mm-hmm. shorter than me. Anyway, um, uh, he wasn't able to come, unfortunately, so he stayed back and was messaging people, and a bunch of people were responding to him, but at the same time, it was just like, okay, I have no idea who these people are now, because mm-hmm. I just got a bunch of random numbers. <laughs> So it looks like it looks like Ryan wanted to uh, ask you a couple questions. He says, uh, "Was it expensive?" Depends on where you go and what you're buying. Uh, in any place that doesn't use Euro, things are actually generally cheaper, especially any fresh produce. Um, Wait, why uh, were you buying fresh produce? Lunches. We had lunches on our own. Okay. And sometimes they're just little markets, and little farmers markets are usually where the tastiest things are found. Um, so let's see, there's Czech crowns in the Czech Republic. Um, Zloty in Poland. Slovakia is on the Euro system. In Hungary, you have Florence, and then Austria and Germany are both on the uh, Euro system. Okay. Um, but so, yeah, any that don't use Euros are more or are less expensive in general. Um, that being said, there were a few things over there that I had to pay for that I wasn't accustomed to paying for, and that actually only one thing really, and that was water. Mm. If you went to any restaurant, you actually had to pay for whatever water that you ordered. It was actually cheaper to pay for beer usually, so I I ended up having beer with lunch almost every day. I mean, the beers were absolutely wonderful. Um, My favorite is just the dark lager. I'm not exactly sure what the name was. I don't remember what it was, but it was a very cool beer. A little sweet, went down nice and smooth. Uh, um, And then, like, even... You had to pay to go to the bathroom. It was what? usually about fifty cents, sometimes a euro if it was in touristy places. What? But yes, you had to pay to use the bathroom. Well, uh, I guess I'm gonna go and poop in their streets. America. America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, going to the bathroom is kind of a basic human function. It should be a basic human right. I don't know. Nope. Apparently not. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. Uh, and I guess, yeah, you already kind of talked about uh, internet and technical prowess. I don't know. Well, I mean, there was there was issues with that. Um, Prague, I believe, is actually the city that has the most Wi-Fi subscribers, so the internet there was pretty decent. Um, most places where I went, it was decent enough that I was able to do Google Hangouts with Sarah uh, while she was back here, and I was over there um, without too much interruption, though there was some. He liked to cut out a lot in a lot of places, but mm-hmm. there was that. Um, a lot of Europe is still in little back towns and back countries, so there's not necessarily that much technical prowess just because you are um, in countryside most of the time. I have no idea what it's like to be in the countryside. Mm. Do you, Declan? No. <laughs> like less than you would have up in Morris. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, because we have a university here that brings the technology to it. Yeah. But yeah. Man, that's just... Gosh, that sounds so exciting. I want to go overseas. <laughs> have you ever been overseas, Declan? Of course I This was my first time out of the country. Like, I haven't even been to Mexico or Canada. Wow. Wow. You already know my grandma. One of my grandmas lives in England. Yeah, that you doesn't think mean I've that... never seen her there. I don't know. <laughs> People come from a lot of different situations. I try not to assume anything. <laughs> All right, so, um, actually, mm, Ian, you know what you should do? Mm. You should you should uh make your your journal if if you're comfortable with this. Make your journal um like uh public for you know public viewing. And then we can post a link to that in the show notes for people to read. Um, if not, you know, that's fine. But Once I'm done typing it up, yeah, I'll probably... Well, I need to do that tonight anyway. I have um, that and, like, a little one page, one or two-page reflection paper that I need to type up tonight. So Cool, cool. Hmm. Um, so, on to the video game thingies. Um, yes. For those of you listening not on the website, if you would like to see all of the links to the stories that we're talking about, go to thenexus.tv slash eb65. That's where you'll find them. Uh, so, first things first, Double Fine has started their annual Amnesia Fortnite, and you can contribute a bit of money for the chance to, uh, well, not for the chance to, but, you know, you will get to watch daily recaps and vote on, uh, you know, who... Uh, for example, they, they have... Um, Pendleton Ward working on one of the projects and you get to vote on which one he works on and then you also get to vote on which projects get done during the Amnesia Fortnite and uh, you'll also get a copy of the prototypes when they are finished uh, and so the Amnesia Fortnite what it is is it's um, these, how long is it Fortnite? Two weeks? Ten days. Ten days? Yeah. Uh, okay so so it's ten days of them just you know working on these random prototypes that they've thought up and you know making them into Games. Um, a couple of a couple of Double Fine's current projects actually came out of their previous Amnesia Fortnite, um, Deep Space, DF9, and Hack and Slash. Speaking of double things that are with game uh, game manufacturers and designers and whatnot, have you ever heard of a game company called Double Helix? Uh, I believe that they did a fighting game on the Xbox One called Killer Instinct. Yes. Haha. <laughs> They did Killer Instinct, they've done Silent Hill, they've done something called Strider, or no, they're working on something called Strider. They've done G.I. Joe games, Green Lantern games, all that fun stuff. Um, They were recently bought up, actually, by, of all people, Amazon. 
Really? So they were bought up. Um, it was a deal that included both the talent and the studio's IP. So the the studio was essentially being left intact. It's just now a subset of um, Amazon. We don't really know anything what was going on financially, um, but Amazon has now absorbed everything. Interesting. And apparently, oh, uh, it's helping to reinforce rumors, apparently, that Amazon is intending to release its own Android-based game console. Of course they would. Oh, it apparently already has its own game studio. What? Well, I bet we can uh, assume that Amazon Instant Video will be available on that. It's not available on regular Android devices. I'm so mad at them. (laughs) All right, so uh, Democracy 3 has released its first expansion pack, and it's called Social Engineering. Uh, It adds a whole bunch of new issues to deal with to the game, and... I was looking at the list earlier, and one of them was actually raunchy pop star, so... (laughs) (laughs) That's a very important uh, social engineering issue, I gather. (laughs) Um, Governments these days, the things you have to deal with. I mean, what? okay, so what did the government in real life do when Miley Cyrus was on stage twerking? Like, nothing. It had nothing to do with the government. I don't know. For, that's all you know, conspiracy theory. Miley Cyrus is actually president. <laughs> okay, um, you write up a paper explaining why that makes sense, and I will get behind it. Because people can be hypnotized by the twerking. That's a very good point. She has she has set global trends that essentially people follow um, blindly. Well, half people follow blindly. He's actually doing this. He's actually analyzing it. This is amazing. <laughs> Half people fall, half the people follow no, blindly. No, that's the other much work. That's too much work. Stop. So, you know what else is too much work? Trying to figure out what the heck Bioshock Infinite is doing. <laughs> so, man, that first the first episode of Burial at Sea, which takes place uh, in Rapture, that was oh, that was quite the ending. And we'll get to see the second part of it uh, on March 25th when it comes out. So you can be sure that I'll be playing that right away. Yeah, that sounds cool. All right, so I'm in college. You're in college. He's in college. We're all in college, right? Yep. College, college. Yeah. So there's not necessarily that much support for college gaming groups. They're usually little private, I don't know, groups, (laughs) clubs that you can have on campus. Um, But now Blizzard is actually... uh, partnering with the Esports Association to officially support a bunch of college gaming groups. Um, you, they, the groups submit themselves to a membership milestone program. Um, submit so, yourself. Submit yourself. Um, and so they, they get stuff like a leadership manual, um, social media support, promotion banners, as well as event funding. And actually there's more tiers. The more members that you have in their various things, um, so, like, $300 will be provided at 65 members and 400 at 150 members and 500 at 200 members. And the tiers do stack and are offered once per academic year. But either way, Blizzard is getting into getting more of the college esports thing up and running. So it's becoming more and more a legitimate sport. Nice. Okay. All right, so going back to Bioshock Infinite, if you bought the season pass for the game you will be getting some Bioshock-themed TF2 items. No doubt there will be hats. <laughs> and, like, masks and other head stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. What are you, you going to do with yours? 
Because I know what I'm, I'm going to sell mine and then buy Steam trading cards with the money that I get from that. Right. <laughs> Same. <laughs> That's how I fund my Steam level upping. I need to, I need to check my cards now. <laughs> You're addicted to level upping nice. instead of using the money for games. That's 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 sad. Well, Ian, the the money is like a matter of fifty cents. Like it's going to take a very long time to get up to the level of money where I can buy games with that. So I buy other low money purchasing things. I'm um, just saying. Yeah. So speaking of Steam, the game Hawken, which is you know the online uh, multiplayer mech shooter thingy. Uh, it will be making the transfer from, to Steam from not Steam for their official release this month. Previously, you know, they had their own uh, standalone launcher and everything and account system, um, but they will be bringing that all over to Steam, and hopefully, hopefully that means that you know their current player base will keep playing, but they'll also get other people who may not have heard about the game previously, but who are on Steam. Okay. Um, all right. So another thing with Steam, so um, Steam has been known for MOBAs, right? Well, Valve has. Yeah, one in particular. One in particular, Dota. Dota 2. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the sequel to the mother of all MOBAs. Um, uh, so you guys know the game Dead Island, yes? Yeah, I was never really interested in playing it. Zombies, you know. It, it was it was okay. I, I never finished it. I only played it a little bit. Um so, Dead Island is actually making its own MOBA um, that is going to be releasing soon. You can sign up and get into the... I believe the alpha's already out, but you can sign up and get into the beta. Um, and it, it looks like it's different from your usual MOBAs. It's not a top-down, click and uh, last hit in the minion sort of thing. It's uh, run around... It, it's good old um, WASD. So I think it's a first-person shooter sort of MOBA thing. Hmm. Um, I wonder if this is going to be at all like um, Monday Night Combat, because that was a MOBA, but it was a third-person shooter. Maybe. Of course, Monday Night Combat is probably much sillier than Dead Island is going to be. <laughs> yes. And so, you, yeah, you have to grab supplies, hold key points, and, um, and blast through hordes of zombies. So it's going to be one of those sorts of things. It, I don't know. I, 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 when they mix first-person shooters with other um, uh, brain work genres... Other genres, thank you. They they sometimes work. The the last one that I'm thinking of was a first-person shooter that they mixed with a tower defense game, which was actually really kind of interesting. But anyway, continuing. Yeah. All right, so the Sid Meier Humble Bundle is now available and has a few of the Civilization games, three through five, and a few other games about planes and trains Something. And there's DLC for Civilization V as well, if you pay enough money. Yeah, well, and so the $15 uh, level is getting everything in the pack, and that's, you know, including the Brave New World DLC, which just came out last year, and... There's also a soundtrack. Oh, 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 now I'm really tempted. No, I already own everything in there. Stop it, Ian. Um... You get it, you know it, you know you want it. Actually, oh wow, Brave New World is 30 bucks, so you can... And, and yeah, and if you if you don't have any of Civ V uh, already, then, you know, the complete edition is $50 normally. And that comes with all of, you know, the expansion packs and everything. So you can get it for 15 in the Hubble Bundle. That sounds magnificent. Yes. 
So we all know about the Oculus Rift, of course. Um, nope. Never heard of it. Man, you're funny. Uh, and so they have announced that they are actually going to have some exclusive games, and the first one of those that we know of is Eve Valkyrie, which we previously have seen uh, just as a you know a tech demo for the Rift at you know particular conventions and uh, E3s and stuff like that. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, <sighs> it does sound exciting. Um, so I'm kind of mad that you know I can't play it without a Rift. Eh. Oh well. Oh well. Guess it's just guess it's just. I guess that just means you'll have to buy a Rift. <laughs> How terrible. I know, right? Um, so speaking of other really cool indie things that are coming to the forefront, do you guys remember a while back I talked about Mighty Number no. Nine, which was the spiritual successor to Mega Man? Yeah. Well, a lot of the um, a lot of the community was expecting it essentially to be the exact same thing as Mega Man, just with a different character. <laughs> That being said, um, Inafune, uh, or Inafune um, actually said that he has some unexpected plans. He actually said, um, oh, where was it? I like this quote. Um, something different, something that will, in a manner of speaking, betray the fans in a good way, C- completely do something unexpected, as well as keeping that classic Japanese action that people are looking forward to. Hmm. So we know it looks like Mega Man. It's going to play kind of like Mega Man, but not really, and there's going to be lots of twists and turns at us. So, I mean, I suppose that's not really anything that we didn't know before, but just, I guess it's always kind of interesting to talk about. The funny thing about making a spiritual successor is that, like, if you make it basically the same as what it's a spiritual successor of, some people are going to complain about that. And if you make it different, a lot of people are going to complain about that, too. So you really can't win. No, never. Ugh. Alright, uh, Steam now has a page that lists all the games in the order of which major updates have happened to games, obviously. And it's actually just quite interesting to look through. You can see what developers are changing and what version games they're on. So. Yep. So the Assassin's Creed 4 DLC, Freedom Cry, um, I played it and reviewed it uh, a while ago, over a month ago, I think. And uh, it will be coming out as its own standalone game on February 18th. So normally, well, I, I liked the core game better, so I would recommend buying the core game first, you know, and playing that and deciding if you want to play Freedom Cry. On the other hand, if you, you know, are willing to pay like the $15 or whatever it is for Freedom Cry and use that to decide whether or not you want to get Assassin's Creed 4, that would probably work as well because they are fairly similar. Okay. I'll have to play through 1 through 3 then. And all other between. That's going to take you a while. That's going to take me a while. So it's a goal worth doing, though. I, yeah, yeah. At the same time, it might not be a good goal, because if it has a good storyline, which I know it does, I will get sucked in. So, some of them are better than others. But overall, yeah, Assassin's Creed is very worth playing. Yes. All right. So speaking of other things that have... Well, actually, I don't know if this has a story. Um, so we like Kickstarter here on 8-Bit. We like it a lot. It's our friend. Uh, what? It's, it's our like, friend. It's, it's nice. my friend. Um, there's this... Okay, so there was a game that was released, or talked about a while back, that won many awards, uh, called Nevermind, which is a horror game. Now, here's the thing um, about it. Well, first of all, it was put on Kickstarter, so that's the news. Um, but Nevermind, the, the concept of Nevermind itself is absolutely terrifying. Um... 
in probably the best way possible. It is a biofeedback game. You actually have a strap that you wear on your back that um, takes note of how your body is doing and how it's reacting, and it essentially um, detects how stressed you are. Mm -hmm. And so what it does is it adjusts the game hardness or the game's hardness based on that stress. So the more stressed you are, the harder the game becomes. Um, and actually, it's really interesting in many ways because it's supposed to be a social commentary on what it's like to have a um, a mental disorder. So, so I'm I'm going through the screenshots and freaking out about uh, at them uh, as they get creepier and creepier. And then we get down to the, uh, <laughs> the like the development team, and they just have a couple of pictures of some cats. Which was not expected. They're the chief sleep officers. I bet it's a they're very important role. But they're very good at it too. <laughs> yep. Newton Loki. Wow, that's. I'm going to have to go and pack that. Man, I haven't yeah. backed a Kickstarter in a while. Yeah. And twenty dollars gets you the whole, or gets you the game. I think that though that you'll have to get. Um, uh, actually, there's still almost three hundred left of the twenty dollar. Early ones. Does that come with the, the strap that you have to wear? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. Well, I will look and see if there's one that has the strap. But I'm sure that our listeners are smart enough to figure it out on their own. Hopefully. All right. So, like a few games, if you've ever wanted to play the original Portal, but have it look as good as the second Portal game, there is a project that is going to recreate Portal with Portal 2's engine. It sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Mostly, you usually hear about these kinds of things with, like, the Elder Scrolls games, you yeah. know? And That's, like, like, the most famous one because there are 100 people working on it yeah. for free. Yeah. So. I have no idea how big the team is for this one, but I'm sure they're doing it for free. Well, maybe they're not, actually, because it's on kick or it's on Greenlight. Mm. Oh, Okay, it looks like $190. Holy cow! Gets you the heart rate sensor. And and that's required to play the game? No. I, I think so. Really? Oh, man. Hmm. That's that's the early bird. The regular one is $250. Uh, but it also includes beta access to another game, digital art book, your name in the game, Nevermind t-shirt, digital download of the game, Phase 1 on PC, or, oh, Nevermind Phase 1 on the PC, Nevermind soundtrack, um, and then two digital downloads of the actual game itself, plus your name in the credits. So you might be able to split that with, like, someone and get, I don't know. Actually, no, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so you've heard of Namco Bandai, right? Nope. Bandai? Bandai? I don't know. Well, apparently they're being rebranded as Bandai Namco, and I don't really understand why. It has to do with something about, like, when those two companies merged in one area of the world, they took one name. In another area, they took the other name because the two companies like had stronger names in different areas of the world. But now they're changing it to be all the same brand. But, yeah. Huh. Complicated company thingies. That's weird. Anyway. I'm going to keep calling them Namco Bandai for a while, though. Yeah. Not, not, not Bamco Nandai? Unerspisms. <laughs> <laughs> Lunar's business. Lunar's business. Well, speaking of other weird trademark things, um, I'm sure you guys talked about this a little bit, where uh, Watch Dogs 
um, supposedly had its trademark removed. Yeah, actually, at at the time when that when that first happened, it seemed kind of suspicious too. Well, with the amount of hype that they've been giving it, I would be incredibly surprised if they took it down. Mm-hmm. So it should come to no shock that it was restored and that it was considered a hoax. That being said, um, yeah, the, the report was fraudulent. Uh, the request does to appear to have been sent by Ubisoft, and the publisher uh, declared that it did not submit the request and has every reason to believe that this filing was fraudulent. The director finds the application should not have been abandoned. So, yeah, essentially they were like, nope, this was silly. Here you go, have it back. Mm-hmm. So Watch Dogs is still Watch Dogs. Now you know. All right, Borderlands 2 is releasing a DLC for Valentine's Day. Oh, boy. Uh, it will feature Mad Boxy and the Wedding Day Massacre. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds like fun. Ian, will you be my Valentine? Oh, you know it. <laughs> What's up, babe? Except that you're going to be not at your computer on Valentine's Day, right? You're No, I'm going to yeah. be... Actually, I'm going to well, be in the cities. <laughs> yeah, well, he's going to be somewhere else. He's yeah. traveling cities or something. I don't know. I I have a jazz concert this Friday. That's what it is. And it sucks. So that means I don't get to actually spend Valentine's Day with Sarah, and it's her first Valentine's Day where she's not single. That being said, I'm rescheduling it, um, and I have an idea for it already, but I'm not going to tell you what it is on here because there's a good chance that she'll listen to this. You know, I had a terrible thought when you said said that. Uh, And the thought was... There's still time for her to be single during Valentine's Day. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. So, Niantic Labs, the makers of Ingress, are going to help other developers make location-based games with an API hopefully coming in 2015 because they think that this is going to be, like, the next big thing. And I kind of agree with them. Like, uh, location-based gaming is something that we have never been able to do before uh, but now is the time for it to happen because now everybody has smartphones, right, Declan? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Also, by the way, something that you didn't mention um, with uh, the Mad Moxie and the Wedding Day Massacre, they also um, confirmed the fifth Headhunter pack, just called Sir Hammerlock and the Son of Cromerax, uh, which oh. will be coming in April. Oh, uh, boy. It'll be final DLC for Borderlands 2. Um, about 18 months after the game was originally released. They have really supported this game. Which is good. And we haven't been playing it. I know. Which is bad. Yes. <laughs> Alright. Well, um, apparently someone has made a game called Goat Simulator. It is exactly as it sounds. You run around as a goat. <laughs> 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 and you really okay, listener, you really need to go watch this video. It's it's just over a minute long and oh my gosh, you get to watch a goat running around getting its head stuck in things because from like the neck up it's like ragdoll physics apparently. And uh including the tongue. Did you guys notice the tongue? Yeah. <laughs> the tongue stretched out nearly the entire way throat. Or sorry, like all the way down the throat. Gosh, that's ridiculous. And and so the the people who uh, who made this are actually a legitimate like games developer. And they uh, apparently somebody asked them like, "Is this the next next big IP that you're going to be working on?" They're like, "No, this is just like for a game jam. Don't worry about it." 
but I kind of wish that they would make a major game where you run around as goats. It sounds so stupid, it has to be good. It has to be, well, we're going to talk about something else that, you know, sounds so stupid that has to be good. <laughs> Octodad. Uh, I, I really want to play that game. It looks wonderful. Uh, well, first, we're going to get into the review in a minute. But first, uh, World of Warplanes, they will apparently be getting an update soon with a focus on eSports. They'll be introducing some more camera effects and the ability to create replays of matches and then also some more um, detailed uh, statistics at the end of matches for you to look at. So that's pretty cool. Um, I know that some people do, you know, have been streaming World of Warplanes already, but... This will probably, you know, bring more viewers in because it'll look nicer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've talked about Rust on here a couple times, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the one with the shoot him in the face. Shoot him in the face. Yeah. Um, yeah, for those of you who don't remember, uh, Rust is a survival game that's similar to Minecraft, but first per... Well, I mean, it's Minecraft is first person to what am I saying? Um... People have been comparing it more to uh, DayZ, actually. Okay. Because it's it's kind of a zombie survival game where, you know, the other players are more of a threat to you than the zombies actually are. Yeah. And so you have to go through, craft your way through things, pick up items, all that fun stuff. Um, and actually, it's going to be losing the key element that you just talked about. It's actually throwing out the zombies. Um, and instead, they're going to be replacing them with various wildlife things, so like bears and and wolves and lions and tigers and oh my. Um, Somehow that isn't comforting. No, and apparently they're so 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 they still want to eat your eat your guts and your face and all that fun stuff. Um, as wolves will do. As wolves will do. Uh, but they're actually fast and intelligent. Great. So, so. So they they replaced them because the zombies were making it too difficult with something even more difficult. <laughs> yeah, good going. Um, <laughs> so speaking of things that are difficult, have you guys heard of Flappy Bird? Yes, I played it uh, a little bit. Um, um, no, of course night. you did. Um, <laughs> I, hey, I didn't download it. I was hanging out with a friend and or no, I was with Sarah. We went down to visit a friend. Uh, before going to bed, and another friend that was in the room pulled out his phone and was like, hey, try this game. <laughs> That's how it has spread, um, is people just telling other people. So yeah, Flappy Bird is an endless flyer that is notoriously difficult, and it kind of just exploded within the last week, and uh, they they suddenly, you know... Um, Suddenly, the the creator just tweeted that he is going to be removing the game from from you know all the stores where it's available uh, because uh, apparently because like he's just kind of fed up with all of the publicity that he's gotten and having to deal with people asking him questions about it and stuff and uh, so he's just gonna get rid of it, which I think is crazy because like apparently he was getting over fifty thousand dollars worth of ad revenue a day. Yeah. Why would you get rid of something like that? I don't know. Some people don't like money, I guess. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take his leftovers if he doesn't want them. You know? Yeah. If you have too much of something, it comes kind of hard to decide what to do with it. <laughs> I suppose. You know, somebody else has too much of something. <laughs> <laughs> 
this week, the Dice Awards happened, and uh, we were pretty excited about them because this is actually like a legitimate uh, uh, awards show where you know the the decisions were made by people who are in the industry, you know, other developers, um, and the you know the people who host the the show are actually people who care about video games. This year it was Felicia Day and Freddie Wong, and uh, so you know I look forward to these ones more than any other awards show. Um, out there, and we watched it, and it was kind of, it was interesting. Um, do you remember about ten years ago or so when Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King came out? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, and uh, during the Oscars after that, they got nominated for pretty much everything that they were eligible for, and then they won pretty much everything that they were nominated for. Uh, that kind of happened this year uh, in the Dice Awards, but with The Last of Us. <laughs> and you know what? I get to play it. I know, shut up! <laughs> I'm going to have to buy a PlayStation at some point and, like. Or you can talk with Helena and come play it. No, of course she has it, but, like, I'm never over there. I can't play it. I have a big backlog of my own games I need to play. <sighs> so. Oh, Let's just let's kind of go through the the list. Um, adventure game of the year was The Last of Us. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so action game of the year was Bioshock Infinite. Surprise, surprise. Uh, the fighting game of the year was Injustice: Gods Among Us. Outstanding achievement in sound design: The Last of Us. Sports game of the year. Sports. Oh, you'll be good at them. FIFA 14. Man, the racing game of the year was Forza Motorsport 5. Strategy slash simulation game of the year. By the way, that's a very, very strange conglomeration of games, uh, lumping strategy and simulation together, especially since it was only strategy games that were nominated. Um, XCOM Enemy Within. Um, sorry, I was going to suppose. There we go. Outstanding achievement in game direction. The Last of Us. Surprise. <sighs> And online game of the year goes to World of Tanks, which is not surprising. <laughs> Actually, I was kind of worried when I saw the nominees for online game of the year because I had forgotten that The Last of Us had an online multiplayer component, and they were nominated, and I was just like, no, no, they can't take that one. <laughs> uh, outstanding achievement in story, The Last of Us. Outstanding achievement in original music composition, Bioshock Infinite. Outstanding innovation in gaming also goes to The Last of Us. <laughs> Role-playing slash massively multiplayer game of the year, which is also a strange conglomeration of, like, two things, is Diablo 3. Diablo. Uh, outstanding achievement in animation, The Last of Us. <laughs> the family game of the year was uh, Super Mario 3D World. Oddly enough, not The Last of Us. <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> On the other hand, your sister has convinced your parents somehow that she should be allowed to play The Last of Us. I don't know how she pulled that off. I think she probably just didn't tell them what was in it. <laughs> um, outstanding achievement in... Wait, it shifted. Now, I, uh, Where am I? In gameplay engineering, GTA V. <laughs> outstanding achievement in art direction, The Last of Us. Um... The mobile game of the year was Plants vs. Zombies 2. Mobile, not mobile. 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 
handheld game of the year is The Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds. Downloadable game of the year, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. And the casual game of the year was also Plants vs. Zombies 2. Outstanding character performance, Ellie in The Last of Us. By the way, they got nominated twice for that uh, uh, category for both Ellie and Joel. Wow. Outstanding achievement in visual direction, The Last of Us. Game of the year was, not surprising, The Last of Us. Wouldn't it be crazy for them to get, like, nine of the other awards and then not get the la- uh, the game of the year? And game of the year goes to Shadow Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like, I don't know, if somebody somehow won the uh, the popular vote and then didn't win the electoral vote. That never happens, right? That's happened a couple times. <laughs> um, so, let's see, Declan, you watched most of the uh, awards show with me. What did you, what did you think of it as as awards show go? I don't know. It seemed a bit odd to me. Yeah, I thought I thought it was kind of awkward, especially especially you know the people going up to accept the awards. But what do you expect? Like the Oscars are for actors, and they you know get paid to be in front of people. Video game designers, not so much. They had a great intro, and then it sounded like there were audio problems, and that was it. That's true, yeah. Yeah, their microphones were being weird. And uh, actually, even even Felicia Day and Freddie Wong were a little hammy, but, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I was uh, attempting to live-tweet it on, uh, on Google+, but then Ryan got annoyed at me. So I stopped doing that. And I don't understand what the problem is, because apparently it's okay for people to do that on Twitter, but not on Google+, even though, you know, they can be the exact same thing. But that's an argument for another day. (laughs) So, Declan, I hear that you've been playing this pretty awesome game. Oh, yes. Uh, Rogue Legacy is... I'm not, like, how... Well, uh, let's see. It's a a side-scrolling platformer. Single player, 2D. obviously. Yeah. Um, where you play as a character. I'm not sure exactly what the plot is, but, you know, just go through it and kill the monsters, beat the bosses, I think. And the special thing about it is you have your character, and there are traits that each character gets that make them all different. Uh the trait I have found the most amusing is being the one, which makes the game into, like, the Matrix. (laughs) You are the one. (laughs) It removes the normal design of, like, the background, which is a castle, a forest, uh, kind of a temple tomb thing. Yeah, and then there's, like, hell or something, I think, at the (laughs) bottom. So... Um, so what's it replace it with? Like it's just like ones and zeros and stuff. Black no, it's and like um, electronic, mm. gray, silver, blue everywhere. Interesting. Um, and you have this castle, and you buy upgrades as you progress. And there's, I don't know, some form of death who always takes your money and has a laugh as he does so. <laughs> So the the thing that really makes this game unique is that when your character dies, um, you get to let's I, you you get to choose like a successor to them. Yeah, um, you have three choices. 
when you make a new character for who comes next. And there's also an upgrade that allows you to uh, re-roll the characters that become your progeny, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so the entire game changes based on which character you choose because there are like some characters that don't set off floor traps. There are characters that can fit through small tunnels because they're dwarves. And there are characters that are giants and they hit a lot harder, obviously. Uh, some characters who are flatulent and some who are colorblind. Yes. <laughs> I, I think one of the more amusing ones has been the nostalgic character where everything is all of a sudden like sepia tone. So <laughs> um, I think I have most of the classes. Like looking at the wikipedia, uh, there's a half dragon class with an awkward description, but I haven't gotten that yet. Hmm. So, so how what what kinds of things do you so you collect like gold and runes and stuff and which like how do those um, kind of stay persistent through through the generations that you're you know characters that you're going through? Um, so like, like which things are are only specific to one life and which things are you know upgrades that you keep forever uh, and ever? Equipment and upgrades are across all. Characters, it's just traits that change. Okay. So. And then, do you ever have to like make a decision, like when you get a new type of equipment, to like drop a different one or what? Oh yeah. Uh, there are only five slots of armor and runes, so you have to choose which ones you want to bring into the castle with you. And you can't go back, so once you're in there, you're stuck with what you've got. Um, so it helps to like change for boss fights or mini-bosses or whatever you're planning to do that time. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, both times I've gone to fight the bosses, I've chosen the... Or no, the first time was a Barbarian, which is the class with the most health by far. Has, like, three times the other classes, I think. So it can take a lot of more... A lot of hits. A lot of more hits. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And the second time I didn't really plan, but... The character I picked worked out quite well because it could hit everything in the room at the same time. So Oh, what? They're, they're, I've never seen you do that before. Yeah, there are useful spells to have in the game. So Each character also has a, a special ability, and like the Barbarian has a shout, which is pretty much the... Uh, Fusro Da from Skyrim. I think they they like change a few letters around. It's like yeah, I don't Rusfo know. Bra or something. I don't know. <laughs> the paladin has oh, a bra. shield. Um, then there's the archmage has a lot of spells, which all the other characters only have one of. So the classes are important, and it's a pretty good game. Yeah, you've uh, you've played a lot of it. You've spent, like, 24 hours in it so far, yeah. um, which is pretty impressive. And the, the music from it keeps getting stuck in my head, even though I've never played. <laughs> and it definitely uh, scales well. I mean, when I first started, like, I kept on dying in the first part of the castle and playground or whatever, and now, uh, after 24 hours, I easily explore two whole sections and can generally get most of a third. So 
So let's see, you've taken out you've taken out how many other bosses? Two. And then there's how many left? Uh there's two left, and I suspect there's another one behind the final door, so Okay. Oh, the door that you pass every single time that you go into the castle? Yes, yeah, so there's three left, I suspect. Okay. Um that'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh so what what would you say is a reasonable price tag on this game? Um I'm not actually sure how much I bought it for, so. <laughs> but probably like one of those smaller price tags, like twenty dollars, okay. fifteen to twenty or so. All right, cool. Um, so this week I went and got Octodad Dadliest Catch, uh, <laughs> which, yeah, you can't say it without laughing. Um, Octodad started off. Um, I think it came out 2010. The uh, student project version, um, and that was that was a pretty short, you know, just kind of almost a tech demo kind of thing, um, where you know the the premise of the game is you're playing as this octopus who is trying to you know live out life as a normal average suburban uh, hu- husband and father, you know. And uh, not, you know, let anybody suspect that he is a is an octopus. Um, and that, of course, is complicated by the fact that the controls in the game uh, are, you know, you can only like control one limb at a time. And whenever you're controlling a limb, it is like entirely ragdoll uh, physics. So it's kind of it's kind of like Surgeon Simulator, but you're trying to live out a normal life instead of doing a heart surgery. Uh, <laughs> Which is harder? That's the question. In some ways, yeah, it's harder because <laughs> you can't just like hit it with a hammer and then stick the heart in <laughs> and say I'm done. You you kind of have to you know make the coffee and and mow the lawn and stuff. Um, but yeah, so so after after they did that uh, student project, they got quite a bit of attention. And uh, they had a Kickstarter a couple of years ago, and now we get to play the game that is the result of that, um, which is Octodad Dadly's Catch. Um, so uh, the game uh, kind of it, it it touches on different parts of his life than than you know the original um, student uh, project did. Um, so that's nice, and it's it starts off you know uh, at his wedding. And then goes to you know a typical afternoon uh, in in the family home. I think it must be a weekend because the kids are at home. Um, and you're just kind of doing these normal chores, and then you have to go grocery shopping and stuff. And um, it's it's a pretty short like the main game is pretty short. It's two hours long, um, and you're just you know going through doing tasks. Um, eventually, things start to get uh, a little bit dicier when uh, they introduce a character who is this really terribly stereotypical Japanese chef who seems to be the only person who is aware of the fact that you are an octopus and he's trying to prove it to everybody else. Um, and actually, when I when you think about it, this game is really racist because everybody in the game are is white except for this one, you know, caricature. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, I do like his hat, though. Yes, it's a, a very fine hat. <laughs> um... But yeah, like so. Basically, once you know the premise of the game, you pretty much know the whole game. Um, you know, it's just going to be silly antics, slapstick comedy, which is nice because we don't get many games that you know use physical comedy in them. Um, and that's pretty much all that Octodad is. Like the 
the story is fairly negligible. Uh, it just exists to, you know, give you, uh, bring more funny moments to you. Um, unfortunately, the game it can get pretty frustrating. Like, uh, in particular, for me, there was this one time when I had to go up some escalators that were stuck going down. Uh, oh. That took that took a while. Um, yeah, I had to. I had to kind of stop and calm myself down in order to. The biofeedback thing would definitely. Yeah, and actually, so so it took me about two hours to get through the game, and then later that afternoon, Sonia came over and she played it, and she, oh my gosh, she gets frustrated really, really easily. Turns out, and uh, gosh, I I can't believe that she finished the game all in one sitting, um, because she was just cussing up a storm. It was quite impressive. Sounds like me and some league games that I had earlier today. Yeah. Um, and so, like, if you're a very easily frustrated person, you might not enjoy this game a lot. Um, it's, like I said, it was pretty short, and uh, I can't imagine going back and replaying it, except for uh, they have they have co-op, uh, in which multiple people control different limbs of Octodads, which sounds insane and hilarious, and I'm probably going to do that once I get some controllers. Um, <laughs> just for the hell of it. Um, but yeah, not much replayability. Um, luckily, they do have um, workshop support, so you know there's, going to, there's a few user-created maps uh, already, um, but I'm not really going to check most of them out. I'm, I'm kind of done with the game. Um, if you if you really want to know if this game is for you, then you should go and check out their um, their original you know student project because that, that's f- available for free. And um, if you if you've played through that and you really really feel like you need more Octodad, then you can go and buy this one. Um, but you know for to me the best part about uh, Octodad is just knowing that it exists. And you know, having that, and and that I've experienced it a little bit. Like you know, you don't really need to go and play Octodad Deadliest Catch in order to get your Octodad fix. You can just go and get the uh, the free version and play through that. Um, so yeah, that's. Oh, one other thing. Um, Polygon had this really interesting article that I think you guys should definitely check out, um, where they bring up the fact that the premise of this game, you know, being being a, a, a an octopod, I almost said squid. Wow, that would have been terrible. Um, an octo, uh, an, an octopus, uh, trying to you know not have anybody realize that he's an octopus is like a really good metaphor for you know people who have like a big secret that they can't reveal to any of the people in their lives, and you know they have to live live out their lives, uh, you know basically as a lie, um, and. <laughs> I had never thought of this, you know, while playing Octo Octodad, um, and I guess you know, Octo it, it really does work as a good metaphor for that. Mm. But you know, even if even if you didn't think of that, you're still going to enjoy the game. <laughs> so my money was better spent on um, the jazz punk game. Well, most likely. Um, I mean, we'll have to wait until you review it and tell us how good it is. And it looks great. <laughs> It, it got a 79 for Metacritic. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so yeah, that's all of the games that we have to talk about this week. Um, let's see. I don't think I don't think that we have any big releases happening this next week. Um, so yeah, what I can think of. 
thanks for joining us, everybody, for this wonderful reunion here on 8-Bit. Ian's back from here. Uh, join us next week for whatever the world brings us. I'm Ian Buck. I'm Ian Decker. I'm Decker McCrory. Signing off. Take that, man! Yeah, she's a great person. <laughs> <laughs> oh! What's going on? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Don't worry about it. That would be Fappy Bird. It's still time to be single. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Buck. Go away. (laughs) But it's so funny.